as we step into our next week of distorted stories of faith, we get to see something a little bit different. As last week, we got to say um, what happened with Hosea and Gomer, which is a pretty easy one to be shocked by. Because when we hear that story about marrying a prostitute, it's real easy to go, wow, how could that ever be? But not every story of faith actually is that sharp and in focus. Some of them, like any story you hear about an event, doesn't actually make sense, won't shock if you only hear one side of it. But it's only bringing them into concert in the divine symphony, the cacophony that can make up our text, that you get to have that moment of shock and awe. So as we step into today's passing, today's WTF moment, we're not going to be able to hear it so sharply until we get somebody else's voice from within the biblical canon experience of that event. If you've had a class on biblical leadership at any time in your adult life, then you've done a case study on Nehemiah because everyone loves talking about the guy who came from exile and was able to see a task, execute a task, and do it with such fervent passion. It's the story of a pious cupbearer in a foreign court moved by grief over Jerusalem, moving God to rebuild the walls around that city. Nehemiah's prayers are answered and comes to Jerusalem with power to force change. And not just power, but power of foreign empire to come and to rebuild the central hub of Israel. Stepping to the story in 2.17 of Nehemiah, it says, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, which was placed in about 465 BC, which will be important in a moment. Said, I said to them, and this is Nehemiah talking to the people surrounding him in Jerusalem. You see the trouble we are in? Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and we'll no longer be in disgrace. The gracious hand of my God was with me when the king said to me, let them start rebuilding. So they began this good work. And then jumping to 418, it says, the builders had their swords strapped to their sides while they were building, which is an important point to notice. A couple things said, once it was touched with fire, so the walls showed signs of war and siege. So it only seemed smart, it only seemed practical to say, I need to have a weapon on my hip just in case the other comes. Because those who burn down our city once may do it again. The blessing, though, is the source of our WTF moment. Now, you may be asking, how does a blessing bring us into conflict? And I want to commend you. That is a great question. For this, we need to hear a prophet who had a message from God about a vision about the future of Jerusalem. See, Zechariah, like Nehemiah, interacts with God and sees the future hope of Israel. They both are responding to Darius the Great ending the exile by sending all the people back to their homelands to rebuild. Except Zechariah speaks a little bit before Nehemiah in 519 BC, as he saw God's dream for a hopeful future. And when seeing Israel and seeing all the people coming back, Zechariah 2.4 says that God spoke to him in the eighth month of King Darius's second year. An angelic messenger said, hurry, speak to the young man as follows. Jerusalem will no longer be enclosed by walls because of the multitude of people and animals there. But I, the Lord says, will be a wall of fire surrounding Jerusalem and the source of glory in her midst. 
Now, if you notice already some points of tension, is in Nehemiah's story, he goes around and see the marks of fire. But in these marks of fire, what he sees is an enemy coming. What he sees is the old stories of pain, neglect that have hurt the people. And he says, we need to arm up. In the vision from Zechariah, he says those walls won't even matter anymore because there's going to be a fire still. But it'll be the fire of God that surrounds us so all people are here. Now, it's important to note what a wall means in this time. Because a wall was a chief means of protection and security for a city. In fact, walls lasted to about the 15th century as a chief means of protection for a powerful city. Without a wall, you could not separate yourself from others. They would live in a vulnerable city at risk because of radical inclusion, a future where trust is placed in the people around them rather than in the strong defense to protect them. Again, trust will be placed in a common humanity, not in arms, not in doctrine, not in the ability to be the gatekeepers, the sheepdogs, or the um, right of coercion. What happened to the nation in this dream of Zechariah? In 2.11, it says, On that day, many nations will join the Lord and become my people. I will live among you. So, the many nations, the Gentile nation, those who were not Israel, would be a part of the I am with you. Because the Lord said that these, all of them, all these nations coming in, will become my people. And he said, by this, you will know that I sent you. When all these people actually become part of the people of God. So it's through inclusion, acceptance, and notice they didn't, they didn't suddenly just lose who they were. Because later in Zechariah, it actually says that these different nations will each grab a Jewish man and say, take us with you to do sacrifices to the Lord. So they didn't lose their experience. They didn't lose their identity, but they got to be included. So Nehemiah almost answers Langston Hughes' question when he talks about what happens when hope is deferred. What happens to a dream deferred, he says. Does it dry up like a raisin in the sun or fester like a sore and then run? Does it stink like rotten meat or crust and sugar over like syrup sweet? Maybe it just sags like a heavy load. Or does it explode? I'd say Nehemiah might add a line and say, what happens to a hope deferred? It builds a wall until we are secure. Because 54 years have passed between Zechariah's word and promise from God and Nehemiah's answered prayer. The expansive dream of many nations shrinks back to us. The expansive risky, because remember, this puts them vulnerable. There's no wall. There's no defense. The risk of a wallless city, having everyone be seen as members, shrinks back to a defensible position of I'll take care of mine. And we get to see the expansive dream of many nations shrink back and our stance towards inclusion is affected as we step into Nehemiah 2.19 where it hits his first point of conflict. In the story of Nehemiah, when it comes to build the city walls, other people look at it and say, that can't be good because this is the very reason that the stones were marked with fire. They always rebel. In 2.19, Sanballat the Hornite and Tobiah the Ammite official Gesham the Arab heard that they were building a wall. They derided them and expressed contempt towards them. They said, what are you doing? Are you rebelling against the king? 
you can almost hear the jest because the city is known for rebelling. So it's a fair question, but not to a people becoming defensive. See, it's a fair question, but for someone who already has a sense of, I need to tear away, I need to rebel. It's kind of like when someone asks you a question for something you're going to do. And when they call you out on it to be polite, they're like, oh, are you going to leave work early? And you get angry, like, no, I would never do that. How dare you ask me? So they saw this as an immediate threat. And Nehemiah answers in 2.20, God will prosper us. We will start rebuilding. You have no ancient right in Jerusalem. So we see this tension between two people who are reacting to the act of God to bring back the people in 522. Both are responding to this act. Both claim to hear God and relay a true, honest, divine message. One sees a future where peace is found in inclusion with no need to defend from others. The other sees danger and difference because you have no ancient right here. Because these are the very people of the many nations who are supposed to be coming and saying there's going to be no wall. There's going to be nothing that Nehemiah is building. For these nations are going to have place in my city and you'll become my people. Yet we find the farther that they are from the first hope of Zechariah, the more the community oscillates between hope and efficacy. Because what happens when you have to wait so long? You start leaning towards the practical because it's too dangerous, too risky to be able to hold on to that first vision and dream. What empowers your dream then would be most clearly seen in how it frames the outsider, those who are different than you. For Zechariah, it was a promise. For Nehemiah, it was a threat. Again, both stories claim divinity are motivated by love for their people and are included in our sacred text. So we must be able to hold on to both within our tradition. Both stories look towards a promising future for Jerusalem. They differ on their view of the surrounding world. They differ in how they see the people around them and whether they have the ability to bring in hope, bring in beauty, have a place with us. One, we see with Zechariah is hope plus love, while Nehemiah is love plus fear. One builds a city without walls and the other picks up spears for defense. And we get to sit in the tension because after 60 years, the spear will always look more expedient and hope always more foolish. Because the longer it takes for something to arrive, the longer it is that you have to fight, that you have to strain. And it'd be some of the same reason why some of us around Christianity that have gotten burnt out, hurt, or blinded, have a hard time holding on to that Zechariah hope. Because Nehemiah makes sense. You don't know. And so we go to the practical. We go to the necessary. We go to the spear. And we realize that the open dream and the shrinking back are part of our Bible. And that both of those reactions are the words of God. We will always wrestle between these two points with a desire to shrink back, to let go of Zechariah so that we can be practical. Because that's what we can see as safe. That's what we can see as manageable. That's something that we can look around at those who are wounded, those who have experienced that, that hope has been starting to rot over. Like Langston Hughes says, that it dries out like a raisin in the sun and it's ready to explode. That's become a heavy load that we can't quite carry. So we'll just go with Nehemiah. We'll pick up our swords.
but that's the call of Phos. To sit between the tensions, and yes, sometimes we'll have to take the more practical route, but we'll always hold on to Zechariah as well. We'll always hold on that the hope, that the promise, the beauty of what we're pushing for is a community that does not need to defend itself against the other, against different, but can celebrate the beauty of diversity within us. So at Phos, we promise to get it wrong, to uncover what, our drive, what is driving our dreams so that we can take steps towards building a vulnerable Wallace community which sees difference as a future hope of God. And in this, we will wrestle with that tension, that pulling back and that pushing out. We'll wrestle with that tension that from 519, Zechariah sees that vision of God. Inevitably, after 60 years of waiting, hoping it not coming, leads us to want to cool down and say, God's with us while we go ahead and build those walls ourselves around the city, while we give up on the reckless living that is living vulnerable within community by erecting defenses so that we can be apart from communities and I can have me in mind. And that's where we're gonna step into the conversation today is between those two tension points. In this moment, this WTF moment, where God in one moment says, it's gonna be a wall of city that I'll defend you. And apparently in the next moment, a few years later, it says, God is with Nehemiah. While he, def he builds the walls to close off the city that was supposed to be open to all nations. And we'll be able to discuss what this means for folks and how we can be a people of no walls that creates space for all people to discover that they too are part of the people of God.